Farag and I know each other since we were about 12 or 13. Nice. You know, yeah. we were, we, we met through breakdancing and um, mm. we, we kind of came up through that way. So the three of us would have been obviously very close. And then when we met Laura, she just kind of, she slotted right in with, with the three of us. And nice. I think the fact that a lot of the time, very early on, it was just the four of us on our own traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, another guy who became our tour manager and he, so it was five guys, people from Limerick that we were like this little band or little, you know, gang that traveled around and yeah. we'd meet all these characters on our travels. This sounds like me trying to sell a TV show now, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I got an idea. Um, and, you know, Dystopia tonight. Hey guys, how are you? Man? Good, I'm good. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Very good. Good. Um, yeah. By the way, is that weird when people comment on your accent? No, no. I've been I've been doing this a long time. Yeah. So, say, uh, like, <laughs> as you said to me, there is no accent. Right. But, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing. It was weird because we travel obviously like for a long time for thirty years. We all kept our accents. None of us ended up with a kind of weird mid-Atlantic right. kind of twang. Um, and I find as well, when you spend a lot of time at home, as we have in the past two years, it becomes thicker again. Right. I mean, it goes back to, to what it would have been before we even got to travel. Right. Um, we don't notice it, but it's when, like, especially we'd have crew with us and, and then the four of us would start talking really quickly to each other. Mm-hmm. And then I go, yeah. we don't know what you're saying. We just don't understand a word. You need to slow down, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's great. Do you do you notice American accents for like uh like can you can you separate them from each other? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much like New York, Boston, right. you know, uh, more so. Yeah. We'd have spent yeah. a lot of time in those places as well. So um and even within New York, you know, kind of Jersey and the the, the kind of more localized ones. Right. Um mid mid america not so much it's a bit harder to figure out those ones you know but yeah but obviously you have an american accent but right. yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm like what yeah sorry sorry to break it opposite. yeah you know? yeah. get out of here yeah and for americans we have a very particular like you know thing like i i'm not a I don't even know if we can say it. I don't really care, but like, I'm not a big fan of some American. I won't say which ones I don't like, but I think we can all figure it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> anybody, anybody that votes Republican. Um, no, I'm just kidding. With that kind of an accent. We all know the accent. But yeah, it's it's kind of like one of those things that like there's shit that, that grates on us. And I can't imagine what it's like for people coming into the country, you know, uh, hearing that kind of shit. I was yeah. told as a kid that I should lose in co- well as a kid in college. One of my professors says you'll be very successful in life, but you have to lose your accent. I'm like, what? Wow, right? Really? I, ha- I don't think I have, but I try. No. Like I try to push <laughs> it aside, but it's impossible. Yeah. For me. I don't know why. Oh, I would never do that. 
Yeah, right. I don't think I don't think it matters as much as it probably did when we were kids. It was uh, yeah. you yeah you were kind of pushed into more of a proper speaking type of thing. But um, the yeah. minute you get out of school, you're on the street and <laughs> you're yeah. like, uh, you know, your man over there kind of thing. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like look, even within Ireland now, Ireland is tiny compared to the states. I mean, there are parts of Ireland where I would have no idea what they're saying because right. they're such thick accents. Um, to the point I've seen interviews with guys say way down west and they're on like English TV, BBC or something. Yeah. Guys speaking in English, but they're subtitles because they're accents. <laughs> <laughs> and you you are thinking, yeah, that's about right. You know, it's it's so thick. Even we don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. They have like him closed captioning, a sign language expert. Yeah. yeah. And somebody you know. drawing literal pictures like Pictionary. Like. Yeah, I think they walk around the village and look for the guy with the thickest accent going <laughs> in and interview him. Yeah. There was a channel that was running a contest for a while. There was a guy um, uh, from Scotland, and they were like, if anybody can guess correctly what he's saying. And it was a, it was a quick clip. It wasn't like it was very long. But yeah. they were like, if you can get it, you get like 100 bucks or whatever it was. And for the fucking life of me, I got nothing. Yeah. I was like holding it up to my ear, and I was like, maybe there's something wrong with me. But I couldn't get it. Yeah, no, it's, that's another different one as well. Like we obviously I've been up there and uh, that's a tick, tick accent as well, yeah. you know? So um, that's great. It's what makes us all different. Those yes. Things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Another thing, you know what I was, we were talking about it backstage and I just thought of one, we were talking about like the difficulty and the magic of zoom and everything. I kind of miss people trying to figure out how to leave an interview <laughs> or like a zoom. Remember back, back in the day, like great seeing yeah. you. Love you. I'll catch you later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was yeah. and it was at least like like three minutes of somebody just like press yeah. stop. I'm like, oh. and you start to panic because you're like, uh, where's the button? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. At that point, you're just like, you just break your screen. No, you're just like, walk away. Just yeah. kind of yeah. Yeah, just come back a boy later looking in. Yeah. yeah. My favorite is the half when they're doing it on a laptop and they have the half closed screen. So it's just yeah. literally on their side. Yeah. They yeah. Think it's or, over. or it's down here and you kind of can see right up their nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> Do not look at this before you came on here. Yes. Yeah. 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 You can always tell what age somebody was by how much of their forehead you first saw <laughs> yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh, oh, you're. I, you're I get a... that with my my dad, especially when he was trying to learn how to use FaceTime. It was like all of this kind of, <laughs> like, just, just yeah, yeah. Oh my god, and the etiquette too. We were, uh, we had a couple interviews early on. We were doing them where literally one of the guests got up and it was like, uh, hang on, my cat threw up, and like just got up, <laughs> but was but was still telling the story he was telling yeah. us. Was yeah, un unraveling this thing of <laughs> paper towels. And I was like, anyway, I was on TV in '63, and yeah, <laughs> we're like, do we edit this or do we just leave it in? I don't even yeah. know. He's still going. We left yeah. it in. I think there's a book in this when this is all over of like yeah. the amount of people who've lost their careers thanks to Zoom mistakes. You know, <laughs> it's like there I was, I had a great career, and now yes. it's ruined because you know something behind me that shouldn't have been or whatever. Oh my yeah. god, I know <laughs> it's so it's so fucking terrible. And yeah. that's it, it ties into the thing you were saying before about like uh you know what Tom was saying about the accents and stuff and like mm. what we kind of didn't allow people to do, like what we thought was proper because yeah. I realized my friends and I were talking about it. Every generation kind of goes through it where like ours was because Facebook was so new. 
um you they they figured out a way to make you like worry about your jobs yeah. if you had a facebook so like there was a point where like everybody was graduating from college and like all of a sudden all my friends names would change and it would be like you know because they were trying to hide the fact that they drank on the weekend and it was like really like why yeah. is that a thing but it yeah. was like you wouldn't get a job if you had like a red solo cup yeah you know and a, and a picture and i was like my god could you imagine people not getting jobs at Woodstock because they were like boning in the mud? You know, <laughs> like I saw you with the, in the New York Times, and honestly, yeah, yeah. Said, we're gonna have to let you go. Uh, <laughs> I know it's one of the great things I'm thankful for is that when I was kind of younger, kind of starting out, that we didn't have all that to worry about. Like if you went out with your friends on a night out, mm -hmm. whatever dumb shit you did, it it happened and it's forgotten about and yeah. it's gone forever. Yeah. Whereas now it's you know it's usually up online forever and, and haunting you, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, so we were really lucky like that. As, as great as technology is, there's been kind of downsides to it, things like that. The weirdest part to me about all that stuff is that it's like, I, I think the irony of that, all of it's called social something, social mm -hmm. media, social networking platform, whatever it is. But every phone now comes with an option to uh silent mute it you know what i mean or ignore call i have a friend who i the fucking audacity man like i went to text her the other day and it says uh this message has been delivered silently and i was like it's noon <laughs> like oh, why like but she she just has this thing where she's like i it ain't it, like she doesn't want to talk to people like yeah. or maybe it's just me i don't know but like it's like i feel like you know what if there's an emergency how do you how do you not have your ability to be contacted I, it freaks me out yeah, I know. I, I see it like I have, I've got four kids and two of them are, are in their early 20s now. So they're mm. of that generation where, you know, it's that kind of world they live in. And I don't think I've ever seen them speak on a phone. I yeah. mean, it's it's all fingers and, you know, texting and all that. Um, mm. And even when they were teenagers and phones first came along for them, they'd be texting people and like sitting on the other chair on the other side of the room. You know, I, I'd realize it's really quiet in here. And then yeah. I look and they'd all be over there kind of like this gone. And I'm thinking they're talking about me. That's yeah, what I was about to say. <laughs> it's like, why else would you do that? <laughs> it's like, if you, if you have any bit of paranoia in you at all, it's just magnified when this happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. You know, it's like if somebody came in, if two people spoke French in front of you and you think they're talking about me kind of thing. And, yes, and it's, yeah. it's, it's that version of it in, in tech, you know, so. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. been in situations where I was specifically doing that, talking about somebody <laughs> in the room. And, and but like accidentally, one of my friends would have their phone actually on. So I'd be like, -da -da -da, and you just hear, bing, and you know. <laughs> oh, God. And, you're, and I just want to be like, are you dumb? Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. now he knows. <laughs> yeah, put it on silent. Yeah, yeah I know. Like, like a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> you psycho. Yeah. 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 Even though it's obvious to everybody in the room, it's still you can't accuse anybody of doing it if it lets no. you hear the sound. Yeah. You know, and then you you're like you throw your phone away because you kinda of go, it wasn't me. I know. I know. You owe yeah. me a new phone. I yeah. had to break it. Yeah. <laughs> Toss it out the window. Oh my god. I know it is it is weird. It's it's but like you said, like some of it I don't know, like I guess for entertainers it's beneficial. I, I mean but also I feel like everybody's kind of an entertainer now. Like it doesn't mm. matter. Like there's more, I don't know if there's more competition or just more noise. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 
Because yeah. not every, obviously not everybody's talented, but at the same time, it's like who the hell can decipher what, you know, like mm. if you go viral, you get your own TV show regardless. So it doesn't, you know, it's, it's a really weird, weird. Time. It is weird. I mean, I think we're all aware that there's a big thing now and it's around for, it's not a new thing. It's people are just want to be famous. They don't want to really work to do it. And you kind of go, what are they famous for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're famous for being famous. Kind you of. Could thing. You could say Kim Kardashian. It's fine. You know, so. Yeah, Kanye, <laughs> Kanye's busy. Kanye's was, busy harassing Pete Davidson. No one's gonna come know, after us. You know, but it's just crazy. I mean, uh, I look. I get the fame thing um, is is kind of something they kind of ape after, and then they get there and they complain about, "Oh, no one ever leaves me alone," because you know, and you're yeah. kind of going, "Well, you wanted this," but <clears throat> I. I believe, you know, if you kind of work, if you kind of work hard enough at anything and you get something from it, well, fair enough, but just kind of going viral for something dumb and then that's it. We're all stuck with yeah. you for, you know, the next 10 years is a bit of a bizarre way it of is. working things. Yeah. Um, I Like I go to the gym here just a couple of times and everyone's inside. They're like filming themselves in the mirror and kind of doing, you know, and you're thinking, yeah. Is anyone actually doing anything in here other than <laughs> just shaping up in front of things? It's it's just really weird. That's yeah, when I started yeah. to feel my age. Is when I look around and go, "You're the old guy in here. Just be quiet." Oh, you know? I know. What's amazing to me is that everybody's filming themselves in front of the mirror. Meanwhile, you've achieved such a level of fame yourself <laughs> that, like, you're it's, it's the reverse. You're like, yeah. I just want to do my workout. I'm just trying to come yeah. in here and do my workout. Yeah, all I think is I better not be in that. I'm just kind of, you know, kind of, I'm going down here, far away from it. Yeah, you should hand out release forms when any, ever anybody's <laughs> yeah, filming. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I no. actually am famous, so I need you to I'll start wearing a Zorro mask or something, wandering around and draw absolutely no attention to myself. Yeah, and then you would go viral for being the guy yeah, who wore yeah, a Zorro mask to the gym. Kiss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's so weird. Even my friends do the same thing. Where they'll be like. Hey, did you watch my Snapchat story? And I'd be like, "Well, we're out to lunch, so I saw you film it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I know what you ate. I don't need to see it." And they'll be like, yeah. "Insulted, like, but you didn't. You didn't look at it. I put a. Yeah. I put a music video behind it. Like, yeah. All right, let me check it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I know. I get that. People are like, I tagged you in something, and I was like, "Did you?" And I was like, "Yeah." They're amazed you didn't watch it, and like, gone, kind of. I have a life. You yeah, know, yeah. I just have things yeah. I need to do. Yeah. So. Like those things, like, look, they're great in one way, all that stuff does help. And then even to be able to do stuff like this, yeah. thanks yeah. to that, you know. But um, there's a massive downside to it. But right. I think, look, um, you just have to be realistic about it and use it at the right time for the right things and sure. still have a life outside yeah. of it. Yeah. I think that's when it gets dangerous is when you kind of lose track of reality. Because a lot of what we see on Instagram and those things, we all know is fiction anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like the, um, you know, the magazine covers and stuff like that personified, mm. like to a larger extent, because yeah. we all like, I, I always find it weird when people start to rage against like, you know, any of those uh, fashion magazines where they're like, oh my God, so-and-so has a doctorate image. And I wanted to be like, that's their whole job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there's a whole industry based around learning how to do that so why is anybody shocked but it's the same thing with instagram and stuff where it's like yeah every, i assume everybody has a filter on like yeah you know yeah i mean before it became as i remember when it came out first and i got it i thought it was just a really cool kind of way to make your crappy photos look good you know <laughs> of, like just like 
but there's a field that now looks really cool because I put this filter on, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but it then it it, it kind of morphed into this whole other thing and that it become became now. And um, I think the reality of it is 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 not there at all. Most of what I see anyway on there is just you can tell it's like it's people don't even look human half the time. It's yes. like they're so yeah. their features are gone. Nobody wants to look like a normal person anymore. Right. I mean, yeah. if I walked down a street and somebody passed me and looked like that, boy, I'm kind of, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> you know, it's like some kind of horror show. It really is. Yeah. 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 Nobody think, wants to age. No. I think, I think it's leaking into society too, because me and my mm. wife were talking about this the other day. People are now being built instead of be, like just being themselves. Yeah, yeah. So they're changing yeah. their lips to have this lip, this eye to have this eye. And you're getting a bunch of clones all over the yeah. place, which is crazy. Yeah. It's 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 just I mean look that's always been there I think but yeah, it just yeah. wasn't kind of in your face all the time whereas yeah. now and look I'm as bad as anyone else I'll go on to Instagram and I'll be looking through it and you know I'm guilty of that yeah. but uh, it's just it's there all the time whereas right. before you turn on some freaky TV show where you know people had plastic surgery to the extreme and you go oh my god look at this this is crazy right but now you don't have to have the money for plastic surgery you can just yeah you know fancy it up on an app and as long as you don't actually go outside and let people see you <laughs> yeah that's the other thing yeah, yeah. It's like do you want to hang out it's like honestly uh you wouldn't recognize me yeah <laughs> yeah if you've been liking all my instagram photos yeah. I don't yeah. think it's a good idea. I'm 65 years old, really. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so bizarre. And when it actually winds up becoming a thing where, like, it's way, way too accessible. Like, mm. I mean, you know, I love, I have a love-hate relationship with science because I feel like I really like all the crazy shit that's going on sometimes. Mm. And I get really excited about it as, like, a, a bit of a nerd. But at the same time, like, I feel like when you're able to genetically modify like your children in advance yeah. oh that's gonna be that's that's uh yeah. that's gonna be a little weird yeah they've already gotten to the point where you can clone your dead dog that's crazy to me where i could make another one of the dog i loved i'm like right and dogs already kind of look the same <laughs> yeah it's not you're like this one was really good at math though so I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna bring him back yeah how bored was that scientist that he thought wow <laughs> I'm going to uh, clone my dog here. Sorry, my server. Come on. Yeah, I mean, we've got nothing to do today, guys. What are we going to do? Let's clone, you know, the cat. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. But I mean, so yeah, I, like I have a nine-year-old, my youngest, and I often, I say to him, because what kind of world, like when he's, if he lives to be 80 or 90, what, what way is the world going to be? Because yeah. it's changed so much in one generation from, you know, me, like my the difference between my parents generation and myself was huge and then the jump especially due to technology between yeah. me and my kids now is, is massive so an, another 50 years down the road it's going to be unrecognizable i think yeah i think so too you know? and it's weird too because i tried it do you ever try to think back at, at when you were amazed by a piece of technology like yeah. i i was trying to think like i was I had a cassette player when I was younger, but I, I, I pretty much remember having like a Walkman and stuff like that. And I remember how cool it was to have a CD player. Like that's yeah. something that I, I don't think I'll ever forget, but I also, but I don't remember being that amazed by an iPhone. Yeah. I don't know why. No, and I don't know where the gap, I, I don't know where the gap is or the desensitization of it is. Yeah, no, you're right. I, it was, I mean, I remember like first VCR player I saw 
I was Ooh. like, wow, we can record stuff on TV that we're not watching. Right. This is, you know, this was amazing. And then yeah. like Atari and all those kind of things that yeah. were just, I mean, they're real simple tech when we look back now, mm-hmm. but yeah. we were in awe of that. And now, yeah. I mean, you know, our phones have more tech in them apparently than, than the first, you know, ship that went to the moon. Yeah. And Maybe. you kind of go, here's a new phone. And, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. it's kind of, we don't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's got a bigger camera. You know, that's kind of, we all get excited about that. So yeah. it is, it's it's kind of, we become desensitized to that kind of thing. You yeah. know? But, I want to um, know what the next thing is. I'm like, I'm hoping, yeah. it'd be cool if, I, if we all lived long enough to see the next thing that mm. would blow us away. Yeah. But I don't even know what the hell it would be at this point, you know? I mean, one of our guys is trying to get to Mars and we're like, okay, buddy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's... <laughs> We should be really excited about it, but we're like, um, have yeah. you seen the new reality TV show? Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I was yeah. going to say, riddle me this. So, Noel, if they said to you, we want you to be the first band that plays on Mars, would you Ooh. take the trip? Would you go and do it? Um, I doubt it. You know, that, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an awful lot of work. You know, it just... Like, <laughs> doesn't it and i mean uh i'd be more worried about the, how do we get are we coming back this no. is my biggest question, <laughs> you, see. question. you know uh yeah because i think like all these mars trips are, are one way from what i know at the moment the people that are they're talking to it's like yeah good or but you ain't coming back so i mean look it's amazing and it is and i love science fiction so to see yeah. all that stuff kind of creeping in in kind of stuff that we used to see on tv as fiction is now a lot of it is reality yeah it is amazing but i mean um i think in another two generations it'll be just if we were to be able to come back or live that long or whatever it'd be just unreal to see what way things would be by then yeah absolutely this is basically jetson's technology like the fact that this is going on I, I yeah. try I try to think about that every now and again, and then I'm I'm like, where's my flying car? You know what I mean? I get greedy. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. That that was the ultimate. I mean, in the eighties, this was it. We were definitely going to have flying cars by now. <laughs> I mean, everybody was fully convinced of that. When you look back now, you think, what? What were we thinking? Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I mean, that was the kind of the pinnacle of it. Like we can all give up after that. But then. Um, you see self-drive cars and how much they crash. You think, yeah, maybe we'll hold off on the, uh, <laughs> the flying cars for a while. Yeah. Let's get the ones on the ground to work okay first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you seen? The, have you seen the ones on the guys on YouTube though, who have those parasailing kind of fans? Like, oh, it, yeah, it's oh, like a giant no. drone. Oh really? my god, it is so yeah. cool, and I don't know how they do it, but I want it in the worst way. I just know. Okay. But you're right. If we all had them, disaster. Yeah, yeah, and well, especially then. You know, you'll get the you'll you'll have the whole uh, drink flying problem. You know, <laughs> yes. yeah. you know, if only just drunk driving, it'll be like you know, it'll be guys <laughs> coming home like half cut, <laughs> just like yeah, oh god, yeah, yeah. Instead of the, instead of the car in the driveway being kind yeah. of crooked, it will be them tangled yeah, up, just in coming the straight down yeah. like into the back door, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh, you're just in your kid's bedroom like in the yeah. window like oh. yeah you wake up in the morning kind of yeah across the back window yeah. hey honey it's time to get yeah. up to school <laughs> you're in the tree yeah you know i was gonna ask you about um because when you you know when you started doing music and stuff like that and you're out in the uk i feel like a lot of the guests that we have on that are you know overseas basically before they get to america they're not really appreciated 
in their own country and then when and then for what do you does that annoy did that annoy you guys back in the day when you when linger like kind of blew up here and then you got to go back as the stars that you were were you all like you're all phonies you know like <laughs> yeah yeah and and we, that still rubs us up the wrong way <laughs> you know really? we love to tell that story here because yeah i mean look we come from like where i live and where i'm at now we've always lived here is a place called limerick which mm. is not even dublin is obviously the capital and okay. then particularly this we're looking at kind of 89 90 we started out and if at that time it, it has gotten better but um if you weren't from dublin you just didn't want to know about you right. and all the bands that were kind of tour ireland uh were just all basically dublin bands that would were really well known here they weren't really well known bar you too they wouldn't have been known outside of here you know and um yeah. so you'd be the opening act to them and then you'd go to dublin and you try and play a couple of shows and they just didn't want to know about it mm -hmm. and um now i don't want to like we there were a couple of djs that were good to us back then but they were like on it you know four o'clock in the morning and kind of had you know 20 <laughs> listeners kind right. of thing you know um but yeah then we went off uh like that first album came out and it died a death it didn't i think it barely scraped into the top 200 in the uk wow, and wow. um and honestly we had done pretty okay not in ireland but in the uk before the album we used to mm. tour a lot and um we get like like theater size places and we'd sell them out but when the right. album came out it was for whatever reason i think everyone just had enough of us and just kind of you know in ireland you wouldn't know we even existed but in england you know the live team was doing well for us but once the album came out it just didn't it just didn't click um right. and then like that we went off to the us and we were on tour in europe and we got a call that linger i think had gone in at number eight mm -hmm. uh, wow. in the billboard charts thanks to college radio had picked up on it nice. and so we we were completely oblivious what's college radio we didn't know anything about that <laughs> kind of stuff and we we were the opening act for another irish band that were touring across germany and spain we came off that tour we flew straight to denver and the first mm. time we went out we were the opening act for a, another english band and the place just went mental just absolutely wow. just they knew all the lyrics to all the songs that like we'd been playing to empty rooms mm -hmm. for a long time um before this and basically overnight for us everything changed and uh we ended up staying there for i guess about six months that time six or seven months wow. and we came back and in that time the album you know linger took off the album was massive and uh so we flew home mm -hmm. and back there's an there's an airport near where we live that there's a direct flight from New York, got off wow. the plane, just thinking we're back, you know, back yeah. to normality. Mm -hmm. And the airport was just rammed with like TV crews and press. <laughs> and we were like, you know, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> the word had gone back because this is before, um, like we'd wrote, we all still lived at home with our parents. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you kind of ring when you could afford, we were broke. I mean, we hadn't a penny wow. because even though you're doing well, you know, your album is selling, you're not going to get paid for another yeah. year, yeah. you know? So we're just making ends meet, kind of just feeding ourselves. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't ring too often. But when you did, you know, you'd be telling your parents and they'd say, yeah, we heard something about it here. So we had no <laughs> idea. It had kind of 
taken off here. And yeah, that was just insane. We got off the plane and it was just rammed. It was kind of Beatlemania stuff, which, wow. and then of course, you know, you're jet lagged and you're kind of, Oh God, what's this all about? <laughs> and those first few mo- weeks when we came home were really weird because we had grown up here and you're walking around the place at kind of anonymous. Suddenly everyone knows oh, you're in that band and, you kind of had hoped you could come home and, and not have, you know, you could just kind of slip back into kind of go out with your friends and do all that kind of sure. stuff again. Yeah. So it was a bit weird. But then, you know, as time went on and suddenly, you know, the album did well here and the UK and, and it further afield. But you do start to get a bit resentful that how come it took us to go all the way across the Atlantic yeah. to be appreciated. And you start to realize you know, and then you'd be doing interviews and go, oh, yeah, we always knew you'd do well. And you're thinking, you never even heard of us like, to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like a month ago. Right. Kind of so there's a lot of that. And then you'd always meet these DJs. Oh, you know, I was the first to play you. And you're thinking, that's more bullshit right there. Yeah. You know, so. Um, and yeah, I mean, we used to take every opportunity to kind of say that up to the very end. That's so <laughs> great. Just say like, yeah, yeah, sure you do. And I mean up until the very end it still wasn't our biggest market ireland you know we'd um mm. we did okay here but compared to other countries you know i can <laughs> tell you about a good one a few <laughs> years ago around 2013 mm. uh, and we were i just come back from the tour i think we were in asia and it was a big tour and i, I went into a store and a guy says you know yeah you're in the band because yeah what are you doing with yourselves now and i'm thinking I just got back from a tour. I mean, yeah. that, you know, yeah. we were still gone, everything, you know, so you wouldn't, there was that initial kind of thing of like the band are huge and then yeah. it, everyone gets used to seeing you and it kind of dies down again. And everyone knows, oh, the Cranberries did well. And, um, but it kind of, it settled back into itself again then. Right. But it definitely, uh, it was a bit of a kick that you don't get appreciated in, you know, your own country. And, um, then we started to meet other bands from other countries and it seems to be a kind of a thing where mm. you're kind of touring kind of, you know, you're playing to, to one man and his dog for years and then you go off somewhere else and suddenly you're massive in yeah. wherever, whatever other country it might be. I so, don't know what that is because yeah. it's, it, you're right. Like every, pretty much every, either even comedians too, like, but every musical guest we've had on said the same thing, wherever they're genuinely located, Mm. um be it a country or even like a small town area they were not embraced by that yeah. area until they had to go out and then come back and then it's almost begrudging you're like you yeah. know it's begrudgingly and yeah it's a it weird is feeling it is i mean <clears throat> there was someone told me years ago about a saying that bono said um and he was talking about ireland in it specifically because he said in other countries you know um say like in the states somebody goes oh there's a guy living up there in a big house and he's done well for himself and a guy's walking by down and he goes, you know, someday that's going to be me. I'm going to be mm-hmm. that guy. But he goes, in Ireland, guy walking by looks up to his big house and he goes, someday I'm going to get that guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought, if it is true, if he did say that, it's brilliant. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, that's it sums great. it up. Yeah. So, oh, my God. That's so yeah. true. Yeah, it is really weird. I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I've, I mean, you know, I grew up in New Jersey and stuff like that. And even when I was you know, uh, first starting out, it's so weird that they don't embrace their mm. artists 
that well. Like you literally have to fucking leave and yeah. then come back. And then it's, and you're right. And it's totally fake. Cause you're like, Oh, we remember it. I'm like, yeah, no, you don't, you don't remember shit. Like, yeah. It's, like when I, when I went out, when I left and moved to LA and then came back, it, things changed like, you know, fairly well. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just this whole thing, but it was so like, you had this thing where you're like, you're so full of shit and you want to say it, but you're also <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to start that fight. But yeah, you know, no, no, no. Pick your battles. I yeah. think, you know, but yeah, they, there is. And um, the thing is, you will remember, I think the people that did support you earlier. Yes. On. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and if they look for things like interviews or stuff like that, then later on, you'll always go, yeah, I'm definitely, I'll make time there. You know, they were always good. So I think, look, it's it's the same everywhere. It looks like it seems to be. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just, um, we all have our version of it. What's yeah. what's crazy is like, and like, I think we were talking about it backstage a little bit about the pandemic being some kind of like an equalizer almost mm. to an extent. But uh, what's really funny is like, I would, I would do these comedy clubs when I was younger and the club owners were always, you know, the typical business owner type of guy. But they'd be like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, you know, Robin, Kevin James used to come here and Rob Williams. And, and now they don't talk to us anymore. And then as you got into the business, you'd be like, yeah, because you're dicks. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're like yeah. how is yeah. that not obvious? And then like, but but then like the pandemic came around and they, they didn't, make, you know, they couldn't survive yeah. without the performer. So you you were kind of like, oh, see, without yeah. us, you know, but it's so weird because it's not hard to be nice when you're being treated no. you know decently and fairly or whatever you do remember those people and that's like, it yeah, yeah i mean like most people i'd like to think are good and just want to get on with it and yep especially you know we would have met hundreds of different kind of you know radio pluggers or press people and that and, and like they're just trying to do their job like we're trying to do ours so as long as you know we're just getting along i mean look there are there are dicks as you said out there and it's yeah. just, that's unfortunate no matter what right. what walk of life we're in you're going to meet that Totally. But, but usually, you know, most people are, are just nice and just want to kind of get on with it. Yeah. You know? Did it help having a, a you guys were pretty unified for most mm. of the most of the time. I mean, was that yeah. was that some of you guys had to have a conversation about beforehand? We're like, OK, look, we're in this together no matter what, like stick it through. Or was it natural? It was very natural because um, Mike, the bass player, was my brother. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's that connection. And then sure. Farag, yeah. the drummer. Farg and I know each other since we were about 12 or 13. Nice. You know, mm -hmm. we were, we, we met through breakdancing and um, mm. we, we kind of came up through that way. So the three of us would have been obviously very close. And then when we met Laura, she just kind of, she slotted right in with, with the three of us. And nice. I think the fact that a lot of the time, very early on, it was just the four of us on our own traveling. Mm -hmm. um, we had a, another guy who became our tour manager and he so it was five guys people from limerick that we were like this little band or little you know gang that traveled around and yeah. we'd made all these characters on our travels this sounds like me trying to sell a tv show now but <laughs> you know, yeah i got an idea um, and you know and but yeah i mean you'd go to one town and you'd meet this bunch of people and and you know then back in the van and off somewhere else. So it wasn't a conscious thing. It just became the way that, you know, the, it was us together all the time. Right. And, yeah. and look, the more success you have, the bigger you need to become with the size of a show and the amount of people you have. Um, but at the core of it, you know, it still remained us. I mean, any troubles we ever did have between us were usually from an outside force that was trying to 
get involved and go, you know, you should do this and he should do that kind of thing. Right. Um, and like, like any band, you know, you'd have your moments, but thankfully we were good enough to realize these things and, and we'd always just sit down and kind of trash it out. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, it's like, I have great, great memories of those early days more than anything because it wasn't as much of the business side of it. Yeah. It yeah. was like, we wrote a bunch of songs and we scraped together some gear and just went off and played clubs. And, you know, there's, there's not that many people to interfere with that setup. Sure. It's, it's simple and yeah. it works. And uh, then we used to meet a lot of people our own age. Like we were all about 19 ish at the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, so we go playing, like we used to do, especially in the States, we'd play as the opening act for whatever band that would take us. And then on the nights where those gigs were off, we'd play our own club shows, smaller shows. Nice. And uh, yeah. then we'd meet people that were our own age and we'd kind of hang around with them for the night in all these places across the States that we'd only ever seen on TV. Because we mm. grew up, you know, in a small town in Ireland and you thought, you know, wow, look at that. Like America to us when we're in the 80s was like the future, you know, it was like, <laughs> this is so far ahead. And right. then, then we were in the middle of all of that. We just, we added up, you know, and um, yeah. it was great. I, I amazing memories of those first, especially kind of, I guess the first two or three years where it was all like that, right. um, you know, in a van just going around. And um, as I said, success is great, but it does bring with it its own issues and kind of things become bigger and, you know, it's, it becomes more businessy. Sure. And yeah. less about that kind of little group of people. Yeah, there's too many moving parts. There and is. Yeah. And you can feel, and I think we did feel at times, that it's not even your thing anymore. It's like suddenly managers are controlling it or the record company. And you're right. like, oh, I want to take time off. Oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't you gotta do this and that, you know, this type of stuff. And when yeah. you're that young, you kind of feel like these are all like a lot older than you. Yeah. And it's like that kind of, like a, your dad sent you, no, 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 that's not right. And, so you kind of go, yeah, okay, we'll keep going then, whether you want right. to or not. But look, it's all a learning curve. There is no kind of college or school that you can go to to teach you this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I also don't want to glance over you were a break dancer. I need to know more mm. about this. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I got you away. You were going to get out of there. it. Yeah, plus. That was close. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the, the short version is, I don't know if you remember, Breakdance the movie was a yeah. big deal here. And uh, yeah, everybody I knew, like all, overnight, we all becoming like crazy on Breakdance. And yeah. Ferg, the drummer, lived kind of outside of Limerick a little bit. Mm. So he was in a breakdancing crew that lived out there. <laughs> and <laughs> if he was to come into the city, where I lived was the first place he'd hit. So mm. they'd come by us and kind of do this break that we, you know, this break dancing challenges. But Ferg and I hit it off just even though we were on, on an opposite <laughs> cruise, <laughs> we just seemed to click and, and like the break dancing thing kind of faded away. But, uh, we, we remained friends and kind of got more into music and mm. different bands, the bands we were into be, were the same. And, uh, and that kind of grew into the, we had all the gear, the breakdancing gear, and we used yeah. to have, you know, the, the cardboard and everything. But yeah. as the year went on, say it was kind of there was an intense year of breakdancing, mm -hmm. and then it was like, yeah. 
we'd put all the gear out and just lie there in the sun all day talking. <laughs> just kind of, just a whole bunch of us. Nobody doing any break dance. No more windmills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was like, still had the music on and all that, but it was just like talking oh. about break dancing. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that kind of faded out and uh, we kind of, we got into like bands like The Cure and The Smiths and things like that. Oh, and that, nice. when that kind of drove us to eventually become the Cranberries then, that love wow. of that kind of music, you know. Yeah, A weird man. beginning, I will admit, it's like <laughs> break th- that the Cranberries came from. From breakdancing. Breakdancing background, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. I yeah. mean, did you guys ever catch each other's eye on stage during a concert? And like, do you want to do it? <laughs> oh, God. No, thank God. I mean, uh, God above. That would have been great. Uh, yeah, that would just, definitely not as the years went by anyway, to be like ambulance involved and things like that. I'm sure it was stretchers and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it was great. It, as I said, for us, um, and we, it's funny, years would go by, like, and, and, We'd hear like a song that we would have breakdanced and we'd be on the bus or whatever and go, remember this? And we'd be kind of all getting excited. And then people who knew, it was like, what the fuck is this? Like kind yeah. of thing. Who didn't know anything about this side of our lives. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Like, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. again, great memories of it, you know. Yeah. And um, we, I wouldn't have got to meet Ferg if it wasn't for right. that, I think, you know. So, and that was kind of the nucleus that it was kind of Ferg myself and mike were you know we we began this thing um because we hadn't a note in our heads just figured it was we didn't realize it but it was kind of like that punk mentality of just buy Mm. instruments and see what happens but right um we'll we'll pick it up and that's really how it began um and uh thankfully because i think not knowing what you were doing kind of shaped the sound of of what we became then yeah. You know. Do you do you remember buying your first instrument? My parents. Well, the truth is, Fur got a drum kit because mm-hmm. he and he he was in some guys from school with him. Um, were in a band together, um, but uh-huh. he didn't like it, so he left after a couple of weeks. And my brother Mike got a bass for his birthday. Then, uh-huh. so Mike and Fur played together. Wow. I had no interest in being in a band, but I loved music, and I thought I'd just hang around with him, and mm-hmm. that was kind of it. And my parents were the ones who bought me the guitar because all I did was hang around doing nothing. Like just, (laughs) (laughs) and there's no hope for this one. So they bought me a guitar because it was the only instrument that, like it was like you had bass and drums. It was like, what's missing? Um, So the guitar was actually there when I came home from school one day. And, um, And that was it. Uh, and it just uh, so suddenly I'm I'm there with the two boys and we are just dreadful. I mean, sure we haven't <laughs> clue. I remember the first song we ever tried to play was a song by Talking Heads called Psycho Killer. Oh yes, which is a great song. But we thought that sounds easy. Let's give that a go. <laughs> <laughs> it's Honestly, even hard to play on rock band, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like yeah, we had no idea. And then Mike and I used to fight that. Does the bass and the guitar do they play the same thing? Like, does, if it's an A on bass, should it be an A on guitar, or will that clash? I mean, it was all this kind of ridiculous stuff. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, look, obviously we we learned as we went along, and yeah. um, it just and the reason we kind of actually started writing our own songs is because we were so 
shit at every other song. <laughs> <laughs> if you make up your own, it just nobody can say it's rubbish because you know no one's heard it before. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. That's yeah. great. Uh, so your parents were when you when they got you the guitar, dude, did they think this will just be a hobby? It'll give them something mm. to do. And then when you were yeah. like, I'm going to do this forever, were they like, What have we done? Yeah, um, <laughs> you see. <laughs> we, we, we got they gave us the stuff and, and in fairness my dad like used to drive us around you know we got we got a few gigs before we Dolores joined the band we had a, a guy who was um kind of well known locally there was a right. local band that were pretty well known and he was the drummer in that band but he wanted to be a singer and okay. he like we were still awful even with Niall um but and Niall even he knows all this like because uh <laughs> He did show us a lot about how you write, like, yeah, you are meant to play the same thing, and you know, this mm. is the, this and that, and kind of did the, the basics of a band. And uh, so we did a few gigs with Niall, and they were all local. And my dad used to kind of load everything in the back of his car and drive us there. Wow. And uh, and fair, like they were really good, like that. They were very supportive of us, and um, I don't think they ever thought it was going to be, you know going to do this for the rest of our lives like it's like if my own kids do you know started skateboarding tomorrow i go yeah that's great and you kind of drive them to the skateboard park and things right. like that you know it's just yeah, yeah it, it was a bit like that and then i guess it wasn't until we so now i left and we met Doris, and then we were still doing a few local gigs but we actually a letter i <clears throat> we did a demo i sent it to the uk to rough trade um I was a massive Smiths fan and yeah. I knew the Smiths were signed to Rough Trade. Right. So when we did the demo, everyone said, you should send that off. And I was like, there's only one, per one place of sending it. That was to Rough Trade. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, you know, worst manager ever. Like, I mean, so to send it there, but believe it or not, we got a letter back, wow. <laughs> which, you know, um, it was a three track demo and got a letter, came back to my parents house and I think my parents were more shocked than we were even that you know yeah. somebody actually replied to them yeah um the problem was they wanted us like it was like the letter was basically we like the sound but if you can come to London we'll come and see but again it was the 80s financially that wasn't really right. doable yeah. you know but it did give us a bit of confidence that maybe we are doing something that's you know, people outside of our friends yeah. are going to go, yeah. <laughs> you know, your yeah. friends are going, yeah, guys, you know, yeah. kind of, can I get in free to the gig kind of thing? But I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's people, it. People don't realize when you're a performer, when you're performing, you could live on a letter like that, yeah. like in your mind and your ego and your confidence yeah. for, you know, oh, a while. Big time. I My brother was an apprentice plumber at the time. He'd left school and he started and he was only a couple of months into it. And I knew he was working in this place in town. So I cycled in and I, I kind of caught his eye and he came out and he was like, I'm quitting. I'm quitting the job. And so wow. like, you know, and I was like, no, it doesn't really mean, <laughs> you know, it's a great start, but I, I wouldn't be kind of walking out of your job straight right. away. You're like, you what know? have I done? Yeah. How many guys have done that? You know, yeah. gone in and told yeah. their boss, yeah, screw you. I'm out of here. Oh, and then yeah. back a month later. But, um, so yeah, it, you know, my parents then were good in that we eventually looked at it kind of that letter led to another letter and so on and so on. It gives the confidence to kind of send on the stuff more and more. And then they started flying us to London 
you know, the record companies would go, we'll pay for you to come over. Wow. And it was a bit of a kind of a, look, a lot of it was one record company got wind that this record company were, were interested and, you know, oh, we can't let them get them before us. So they'd fly here or we'd be flown over there. And I think that's when our parents all went, yeah, look, actually, this, this might actually be something. Yeah. And that went on for a lot. That went on for over a year. But sure, we were, my brother was only 16 at the time. So, uh-huh. I mean, we were kids and, uh, but we thought it was great. I mean, we're yeah. kind of, you know, yeah. kind of being flown to London and put up in, they were shitty hotels, but for us, it was, you know, didn't it matter. Does, yeah. yeah, no, it does you not know, matter. We're living I, the dream. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I, do, I was going through some old photos and I have, um, I was like, what the fuck are these? And I'm looking and I realized I took photos of my first hotel room as a stand up yeah. on the road, <laughs> but it, it, it looks, it looks like pure yeah. garbage, but I'm just like, what is this? Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I remember this now. It's, you know, that's it. I mean, you're living, you like, you grew up looking at other guys doing this and suddenly you're doing it. So it yeah. doesn't matter if it's, you know, if it's a hellhole. it's just, it's still, you're doing the thing that, you know, you kind of, a lot of bands dream of doing. Yeah. And, and you know, you know, and look, eventually, obviously, we got signed and, and you know, mm-hmm. it, it was, we didn't realize that's when the hard work starts. But yeah, but it was great. I mean, such a great adventure. And it was just, the, it was really was just the four of us through all of that, you oh, know, because right. yeah. um, we didn't really, we had a local guy that was kind of helping us a bit. But I mean, we didn't have a manager as such and that kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know, Um but yeah, it was it was brilliant. Like I like I wouldn't want my own kids to do it. But I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah. Would you be um, okay if one of them said they wanted to though? Yeah, like we've been pretty liberal with them. You know, we kind of said, look, whatever road you want to go down, um, yeah. we'd support you with because I, you know, particularly my parents were great. I mean, right. they didn't. And I yeah. have to say, like I've often thought of it. I've got my two oldest oldest kids are daughters and. I wonder, Dolores didn't know us that long, right, in the big picture of things. Mm-hmm. And after maybe a year, she went home to her mom and said, I'm going off in the back of a van with four guys across the UK <laughs> for, a, for three weeks. Yeah, You know, and I think if it was me, I'd be like, what? Absolutely not. You know, I mean, there was a lot of trust there to, yeah, yeah go for it, yeah. you know. But Dolores had been, um, she'd been singing since she was four. Right, like and, and like she sang in the choir, and you know she she played piano since she was four, so the music thing really was her. That's all from a very very young age. There was no other option for her. That's what she wanted to do. Wow. So you know, I think her mom realized that when she came in and said, "This is part of that journey that I'm going to be on," that she just went, "Yeah, sure, go for it." Right. You know? wow. Yeah, that and, does make more sense. Yeah, it does. Whereas. The three of us, it kind of came later. It wasn't an ambition, kind of, you know, from a very yeah. early age. It's yeah. just something that happened through our teens that we, and we ended up coming into it. So, but look, I mean, the thing I've often like, like the question you asked me there. If my kids asked me about it, they if they come in said they wanted to do it, I often think of look, I I to this day know a hundred guys that live here in this town that were in bands like we were. And we all, it was great. There was one studio in town, had a lot of rehearsal rooms and all the bands, we were all the same age. We all hung around together there. Yeah. A lot of them, you know, bar us, you know, they they didn't go to college. They kind of kept kind of trying to live the dream and eventually realized it's not going to happen. And it gets a bit late in the day then to kind of go, 
shit, what do I do with my life now? You know, yeah. a, a bit. And, and I get it on both sides. I get that, you know, you still think it might just happen because yeah. there is no limit to it. But right. at the same time, it's nice to have a, a plan B, I think. Um, you know, yeah. um, and times have changed a lot. I mean, this is the very early 90s where, mm-hmm. to be honest with you here, particularly where we grew up at that time, it's changed an awful lot. But there weren't a lot of options, jobs mm. and things like that. It was, it was very limited. A lot of people moved off when they got to a certain age. Sure. Yeah. So, so for us, it was kind of just give it, you know, give it 110% and, and see. And we were yeah. super young. I mean, even if it had gone wrong early on, we'd still be only 20. Yeah, yeah. Know? So, I mean, there was time to go and, you know, get yeah. that job in the bank or whatever right. it might be, you know. I work in a bank too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's crazy is, is like when you're, uh, it's hard to explain a gap like a sizable gap when you've been performing for a long time in your yeah. resume. Like I remember when I moved out to LA, I was like, I should for the, the first time in like uh, years, I was like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to get a job. Just a backup thing. Cause I I'd gone out, I'd had a lot of network meetings and that's where it started. I was like, Oh, I'll go for those meetings. And I'm like, I'll just move there. I haven't moved. I want to move. Like I've been doing stand up on the East coast for a while. I'll go tell you and do it. And then I did it, but I was like, I should try to get a job. And then I realized as I was applying, I was, they're going to, they were like, where have you been? <laughs> Uh, yeah like, yeah well you see i yeah. had a dream yeah and, uh, <laughs> you should have just said prison you know or something. Just like, yeah it probably would have been explain. way better than being like yeah. i'm a comedian they yeah. would have been like sure you are yeah uh, <laughs> yeah prison probably would have worked out a little bit better yeah if I'd yeah said that. no i know because I, I think look no matter what you what walk of life because i've had over the years like i loved i've always loved doing this but there are moments you think, I just can't be arsed with this anymore. And yeah. um, then you think, okay, what will I do then? You yeah. know, and I'd say this is in my mid-30s now at that point. And you yeah. kind of go, yeah, what do you kind of, it's, it's a long time to kind of, you know, suddenly, suddenly change. Yeah, I'm going to be a fresh order cook. People do it, you know, um, but it just, uh, it seems again like a lot of hard work to suddenly change. <laughs> it's just totally. kind of, yeah, I just stick to this. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, you're jumping on your bike and you're going over and you're like, do you still need an apprentice from when my yeah, brother was? Yeah, <laughs> my brother used to work here. Uh, is job still going? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Did you, yeah. Do you remember feeling particular? like Because you said your parents thought you were kind of directionless, so they got you the guitar because mm. you weren't doing anything. Did you feel that way or did you have a hidden yeah. passion in your mind? Like, I'm going to do this thing. <sighs> uh no i was a bit i was a bit i had an ambition to work in a record store and as weird as that sounds that's i even did an interview for the job um you know but thankfully we saw the way record stores went and you know (laughs) it was not going to be a job for life um so yeah no i i left school and um I, i did a i had a couple of jobs bits and pieces but nothing kind of interested me you know i was just a typical teenager or kind of you know even though a late teenager it was kind of i just didn't really know what it was and then you know i often wonder what would have if this hadn't happened people go you know what would you become and i have genuinely no idea um and i've been very lucky in that sense that um i you know i kind of fell into something that i had zero interest in But then once I did, you know, I kind of came up with a few songs and went, 
is actually all right. You know, it's kind yeah. of, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, How did you discover yeah. your own writing process? Did it take a little time or did you find like a natural? Because I know some people write when, because they hear a, a tune in their mm. head or musically they hear it, but some people do it lyrically. How did you come about yours having no prior interest in doing it beforehand? It was just like that. Like um, it was out of necessity originally mm -hmm. that um, kind of like I said to you earlier, where we were just terribly musicians and couldn't do cover versions <laughs> and then you know you learn a few chords and you go okay i know four chords what can i do with them yeah. and and that's what it, how it started and then i'd come in with to the two boys and go i have an idea for something and you know here it is and it would be that four chords mixed up around in different ways and then you know you learn more and we became tighter as a unit for a long time before we met the Doris, we were an instrumental, just the three of us then. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. Niall, who, you know, who had sang with us for a while, he left, he went back to the band he was with. And um, it was maybe six, seven months before we met the Doris then. But right. we kind of kept going on our own. And I became the kind of the songwriter then during that time. And, and yeah. stuff like Linger and Dreams were instrumentals at that time then. Mm, wow. And, wow. Um, they were very early songs and yeah, I just kind of, I think, so I had all this stuff and kind of thought, I thought it was okay, but like, that's what you, you know, you, when you're that age, you think everything you do is brilliant. Like, so, <laughs> um, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm so brilliant. And then um, it's when I met Dolores and the first day I met her, um, she came up, she sang some songs for us and we played a couple of these instrumentals. And then I gave her a cassette that I had just a, uh, me playing guitar, playing Linger mm -hmm. on it, gave her the cassette. And then she came back. That was a Sunday. I think it was a Thursday she came back and said, I worked on that. I got some ideas. And she just started singing. You know, she's like, start playing. We started mm -hmm. playing it. She started singing it. Wow. And I was like, I kind of thought, yeah, that's actually all right. You know, it's kind of, you know, this could work. And, and that's how it kind of, it just very organically grew like that. And, and that's how Dolores and I wrote for 30 years. Wow. Like, it, okay, not cassettes, but, you know, it's more, <laughs> you know, just to get that in there. Because someone online is going, they use cassettes. For years. You know? <laughs> wow. How? I mean, yeah. Uh, so it was, um, it was, you know, it obviously went from cassettes to CDs to mm -hmm. kind of, you know, the tech we have today where, you know, you email each other ideas. But, yeah. We never sat in the same room. That never wow. happened. And it just yeah. all because of it was, it all goes back to that. This is how we did it from day one. Sure. And it, it just kind of, we did it that way and it worked for us. And uh, it worked better because people would say, oh, you know, we'll meet on Wednesday and we're going to write songs. And I often wonder, what if you weren't in the mood on Wednesday? Are you yeah. all just going to sit in the room looking at each other? Because it's not something well not for me anyway that i can kind of just go i've got it scheduled in for thursday night right. writing you know yeah. it's it's something that happens when you feel it yeah and um it's i've done i tried in the past few years to kind of do that where i've met people to write with and, and I, there's an awful lot of pressure yes. when you're in a room like that especially it's one thing with dolores like we knew each other for so long but with with people that i've only met that morning maybe um it's not something I'm very comfortable with. So I've, I've kind of, this is my process and people I work with 
I kind of said to them, this is how I do it. And if there's something that clicks in there, then you can meet up and kind of, you know, expand on that idea. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but it worked for us. I mean, when, when things got busy and we were on tour, I'd come in like to the two boys at Soundcheck with the idea. Mm-hmm. And then the guy at front of house would record it for us. And then we give the cassette to Dolores and, and that's how a lot of the albums came together then. Wow. You yeah. know? So it just, it's e- like we found it easier and there's no mm-hmm. pressure, no time restriction on it then. Um, and it's just kind of, you can come back to it whenever then. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. one of the coolest things about talking to people during this kind of stuff. Cause I like hearing, you know, uh, different process for mm-hmm. things because people can make you feel like, uh creativity has to have a certain discipline to it but yeah you know i i don't i also don't work that way like i i have, i like the idea of like oh i'm feeling it right now and this stuff just came to me and i'm gonna yeah. sit down and write it and anytime i have gone like i really need to do it it becomes you start yeah. doubting yourself it becomes tedious and work no and, and, i find yeah. that it's almost like you're pushing like i I don't really believe in writer's block, but a version of it mm. on yourself because you're stressing yeah. yourself out. Yes. Um, like I have this room here and my house is there. So it's kind of over. I'm over the garage basically. And yeah. if I'm feeling it, I come down and you could be here an hour. You could be here five hours. It doesn't matter. And it's kind of nice to just to work at your own pace. Yep. Um, I did. Um, I did last year during the, one of the pandemic lockdowns. I was lucky enough to do a soundtrack mm. for a documentary. Um, and mm. it was the first time where I was actually had to be on a schedule, you know, because you've obviously, you've directors and producers and they're gone, you know, we need this, this and this done by next week. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time kind of really ever that I've had to write under someone else's, not, not that somebody was in here with me, but it was just that kind of yeah. constant kind of, yeah, and and there were mornings where I woke up and gone, oh God, this again, you know, because you just there's a pressure on you, you know. Yeah. Now I love doing it, and it was a great experience, but it it it's to go through my whole career like that. It's not something that I could do anyway. Right. You know, I think yeah. you would you would struggle to keep coming up with something fresh. It's this yeah. the other side of it is. I mean, you know, when you're creating something, it has to be. You try and push yourself better than the last thing you did. Mm-hmm. Um, whether yeah. it is or isn't, you know, who know, like other people will gladly tell you. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> but but for yourself, if you feel it anyway, you know, it's a nice feeling to walk away from it and go, "Yeah, I had a good day there." Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I How think as you, as you get older and you get long, like kind of, you know, you're doing it longer, you realize, I, you know, I came out today. It's like oh, it's not happening. Just go back in. Yep. You end up just going on Instagram or something. Just yeah. <laughs> scrolling through TikTok. Like YouTube or something like that. It's like three yeah. hours shit. You know, I'm here too long kind of thing. How yeah. quickly did you did you guys feel like uh if you when you had a, like a successful album or like, you know, a song or two hit or something like that, how quickly did you guys feel pressure to do it again for the next one? Did you feel that? Not until the third album, really, wow. because the first and second album, um, were kind of one really long writing session over mm-hmm. a few years because there was that freshness of us meeting and we'd all these songs then that were kind of bottled up yeah for years that we didn't know were there and um we just kind of wrote and wrote excuse me we wrote like constantly we were on tour we wrote 
and then what uh so the first album came out and it didn't do well and then it was it came out it did well in america like about a year after it came out here and it was re-released here mm -hmm. um and we had already written the second album then even okay. though the first album was only in the charts right so yeah. we were playing zombie live like easily a year and a half before we ever recorded it wow you know wow. so we had all these songs so the second one was really easy to do mm -hmm. as well and then that was even bigger than the first album yeah then the pressure came where you okay, you've had a good run of maybe three years of writing and like two strong albums a bucket load of hits and mm -hmm. suddenly you kind of think i'm I need to do something fresh and new. And then that's when you start, it was the first time I had experienced that thing of kind of, okay, what's left to do now to try and change it. And that's when you do start to kind of struggle a bit more coming up with ideas and things like that. And, right. you know, we've often said like, what we should have done after the second album is taken a year out, gone away, then come back and then start writing. Mm -hmm. But we were under severe pressure from everyone around us. Yeah. Um, to you know do another album we were making management and record company a lot of money right. and you know yeah. when we kind of ever mentioned taking time off it was like oh you can't do that you've already signed and we had already signed to do a year-long tour wow when we were on still on the tour for the second album mm -hmm. so so we went in we did this, the third album um it's it's my least favorite album of what we did and i've oh, often wow. said that you know uh, it just because it it's just not happy memories it was like very stressful and it was done very quickly um and under a lot of stress and then when we went to go on tour Dolores wasn't feeling it she just said i, I the stress i'm under i can't do this and we pulled the whole tour wow. and then we ended up taking you know a year away mm -hmm. but it took it to get to that point where you know, we were all just at our wits end, but nobody had the guts to kind of go, I just don't want to do this. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, and it was like literally the night before we were leaving, Doris rang me at home and just said, I, I can't do it. It just feel. And if you look um, like at some of the videos around that time, like she's so thin. She's very, very skinny. Like yeah, she yeah. Just, yeah. she's just, you know, she's not eating. She's just not feeling it. Right. And, um, and and like any like a lot of singers and bands under the most pressure um particularly being the the girl amongst three guys you know kind of very well known and mm -hmm. and had didn't have a moment's peace from it and um yeah. we kind of just that was it it was the first time we'd taken a break then we were doing it six years straight at that point wow yeah. and um so the seventh year we just everybody went their separate ways thankfully we were all on the same page, so we knew we were like, "Yep, that's perfect." Thank God, someone said it. Everyone right. went off to different sides of the world, and, and but we all got along still, which was the great thing. It never got to the point where we went on tour and ended up hating each other, and that was the end of that. Yeah, you know, which has yeah. happened so many bands. Right. So, so um, that was it, and then you know, a year went by or so, maybe slightly more than a year, and and Doris and I started talking again. And I said, I've got some songs. And at the time she was living just outside Toronto mm -hmm. and I was back here and I had to courier cassettes <laughs> to Toronto. <laughs> this is the truth. This is like, we were still in cassette world back then. Yeah. I had to courier the tapes over for her to, to pick the songs that she thought she could work with. 
oh, and awesome. that was it you know and then we got up running again but we learned a lot from that kind of not to do that again where you get to the point that you're kind of starting to hate the thing yeah and yeah so from that time on we kind of did it where we we toured and then you know we do like maybe two years and then go we're done for a while now and then everyone went home again right and we did it like that on and off then for a long time that you would you would think at some point these other like producers and and executives and stuff like that would kind of learn from past mm. mistakes where like you know because because ultimately the story you're telling me i feel like other people have experienced where it's like the yeah. band's gonna leave regardless like if you keep pressuring them yeah. and they don't feel comfortable that that you're gonna lose your money at the end of the day anyway yeah like i don't know if you felt this way during the pandemic too but like a lot of the a lot of musicians especially that we've talked to were like we made this album and it was so nice to do it without anybody breathing down our yeah. neck and and like creatively and then plus like critically like you know um one of the bands that we had spoken to like they were like yeah this is our most well received because it was from us yeah and and i but i don't know there's some disconnect there where they they just still don't get it no i think look they they become blind with the money or something you know it's mm. it's kind of and i think it's hard to know because i notice bands newer bands don't even have that kind of lifespan right. and yeah. i think a lot of the record companies and management think okay this band is two years or something maybe and now i'm gonna milk it as much as i can mm. and then you know it's like suddenly that's that done we move on to the next thing right i mean yeah. we were lucky we were in the last kind of row of bands where you sold records like actual physical records cds yeah. you know and then that was kind of a kind of early to mid 90s before kind of you know napster and then that kind of thing started to creep in and and things that was my you fault. know they changed the whole <laughs> world well look you know it was it was something that led to the world we're in now we're streaming has yeah, really yeah. has actually saved music in many ways yeah. i think because there was a kind of a, a few years where it didn't know where it was because yeah. nobody was getting paid and everybody was downloading and you know and it was just kind of a mess but then you had iTunes and Spotify and all these things, and they all have their pluses and minuses. But they have saved music again. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. So Do you miss the um, the 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 kind of thing because I know, like, I know I've noticed myself. Like, I listen to when somebody comes out with an album, I actually am excited because I'm like, oh, I can listen to this from beginning to end. Yeah. But I do know I've I've gotten in the habit of like I'll look through my playlist and I'm like, I have a lot of singles. Yeah. But that's also what most people are just putting out is like here's a single and then maybe down the road they take all those singles and they're like, and now here's an album. Do you miss yeah. like the actual, like having a yeah, written thing? It is a bit like I, I miss when like the last Cranberries album we did after, mm -hmm. you know, Dolores passed away, but we had kind of recorded right. most of it before that. It was all, that was all written as one kind of thing as one journey, you know? And yeah. I kind of kept saying yeah. that during the promo at the time, it was like, this needs to be listened to from start to finish yeah you know and look i do exactly what you're talking about i have playlists of my favorite songs from this album and that album you yep. know and, and yeah. there is that convenience there um but as somebody who writes an album you do wish you know that somebody listens to the whole thing yep. because there's always those gems in there that we miss we all yeah. do because sometimes when your your phone is on random a song will come on from someone you know, like a you know whatever band it might be, and you go, "Gee, that's a great song. What's that from?" And you find out it's like 
you know, it's the fifth song on, on the B side. If you have B A and B B side, just for the sake yeah. of this, you know yeah. that it was always there. It's their years, but you just never took the time to listen to it. Whereas yeah. years ago, especially with vinyl, the effort mm. of getting up off the chair and you know <laughs> turning it over, you just let the thing play and then turned it over and let it play again. And you yeah. knew every word of every song from start yep. to finish. So yeah. that is, you know, it's gone in, in one way it's gone, but then you have everyone saying vinyl has made such a comeback mm -hmm. that yeah. there must be a certain, you know, percentage of people that still enjoy that. Oh yeah. No. I mean, I, I mean, my friends and I do the same thing. Like we buy mm. vinyl albums. I was just yeah. uh, at a friend's concert, bought the vinyl album. Cause I was like, this is, I like listening to it like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And the thing I missed for the years where vinyl wasn't really around was the, the artwork. Oh, you know, yes. I remember, especially, you know, the, the gatefold ones where it was like, you know, like that was a whole kind of, you know, there was that people who had a living from just mm -hmm. making these over the top covers. Yeah. They were amazing. And you would read everything you knew who the producer was and who the writers were. And that's kind of, that is gone in many ways because, yeah. um, you just hear the song, you know, who sings it. And that's about as far as you know, these days, you know, right. But it I mean, look, yeah, it, it, it's a, look, it's, I, I know from my own kids, you know, the fact they're still listening to music is a good thing. I, I guess yeah. you gotta, you gotta look at that and, and that they're willing to, it's nice to see, like I've been looking at them, their generate the whole day kind of began like a lot of us, like kind of shitty pop music, kind of teeny bopper stuff. And then yep. you see how they discover, kind of a lot of older stuff that, that like, you and I would listen to, you know? Yeah. And it's great that it does, even with all the things going on, it still goes back to a lot of that stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's cool to see, um, uh, like, even, I mean, you know, people use music on TikTok, obviously, all the time to kind of mm. narrate their lives or whatever. And I saw there was some song, I swear, I can't think of it right now, from the 70s pop up. And I was like, and it was even obscure and the realm of a 70s song yeah but i was just like it's so yeah. weird that it's that it's like now being used like every day and it kind of on one hand it makes me happy and the other hand it makes me angry because i'm like if i just randomly played this in my car some somebody younger would be like what the fuck yeah. you know but, yeah. but because it's on tiktok i'm like yeah god damn but it's i do the same thing you just said though too i was listening to and i'm i'm like a big fan of the counting crows too like i grew up with like your music and their music and like you know whatever but i thought i'd heard every song yeah and i was driving on a long road gig and a song had popped up and i did the same thing i was like what out like yeah. what is this from and i realized i must have skipped it for years or just never noticed it it's but crazy it yeah. is but that's a good way of putting it like you do find stuff like that uh, when you listen to it from back to front yeah um we have some questions yeah sorry go for it oh no worries Sorry about that. I'm going to pull it up because we do have a couple of questions uh, behind the business. Did Noel ever get to work with Jim and William Reed from Jesus and Mary Chain? No, no. Uh, we, we, we've seen them play live and, and um, they were involved with Jesus. They were involved with um, uh, Rough Trade for a long time. And right. it turned out that so after I, I mentioned Rough Trade earlier and we didn't sign with them, but um, we did get to meet the guy Jeff Travis, who created Rough Trade and is still there to this day. And Jeff actually became our manager, um, really? because wow. there was still that connection of um, that love we had for the kind of indie music, like 
Jesus and Mary Chain and the Smiths and all that. Like we, we grew up listening to all of that. And we we asked Jeff. We got along with him really well. Um, and we just, as bold as brass, just said, we need a manager. Do you want to be, you know, as things were starting to happen. So yeah. Jeff was our manager for, I guess, the first five years of when we started to take off. So that's wow. as kind of close. There is a weird connection there with them, but um, actually to meet them, no, never. It'd be interesting to meet another set of brothers, see how they get along. You yeah, know? right. Yeah. How was it always being with your brother? Because I have a brother, too. We work together. It's not super easy, but it's... Yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah, it's good. Like, I mean, we we never got along as teenagers, right? Ever. Mm-hmm. And even when the band began, we used to kind of fight a lot. But uh, we did get along apart from when writing would happen, where I'd come on and i go, I got this idea, and this is the way it is. And he'd go, well, what is it? And I'd go, it's this. And then we'd start a big fight, and everybody <laughs> would leave the stage, and leave the two of us we would really go at it wow. he'd be like it's it's an a and i goes it's not fucking a, it's this you know and be, yeah and, and this would go on and then about 15 minutes later like you forget about it you know mm-hmm. that's the good thing about when it's family that yeah. it's just kind of sure. you know yeah and um and like we're very close still you know we're we're lucky we we got along and um yeah i mean like anything the only problem is when when you're on your downtime and you're off and yeah. I don't like, I used to see Fergus Doris that much, but like Mike's always like, you know, at my parents' house or <laughs> we have the same friends, you know, we're still seeing each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a question from Instagram and it's uh, when you guys were touring, was there anybody that you were opening for or got to meet that you were starstruck by? Um, I guess REM would have been, Ooh. you know, we we were all massive REM fans growing up. And mm. uh, yeah. then um, when we went to do Linger, the video, uh, mm. we were flown. It was our first time in the States. We were flown over. And oh. the girl who directed the video had worked on the Losing My Religion video. Oh, um, nice. So we're there. Like, it's we, we filmed it overnight downtown mm. L.A. And... Uh, Suddenly we look around and Michael Stipes like walking down the hall. And uh, this was like a year after losing my religion. Or something. Oh my God. And we were like truly starstruck. Just kind <laughs> of, yeah. I always remember because there's photos of us and we're all just like, you know, kind of like just looking at him <laughs> like he had 25 heads. So, um, but then years later uh, on the monster tour, we got to be the opening act for them in Europe. And we did, I think about three weeks with them. Wow. And we got to meet the whole band and kind of hang out with them a lot. And it was great. And, you know, it was just amazing that something that especially said the likes of myself, Mike and Ferg would have been in my bedroom or in Ferg's kind of listening to those albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're sitting in catering, just chatting away. And he'd be like, kind of, is this actually happening? Right. <laughs> I mean, and I know we were big and we had all that kind of stuff. You're still in complete awe of these people. Yeah. You know? So, um, so of tour wise, that's they would be the ones that stood out. Wow, that's right. crazy! And then you just ran into him in the hallway. What are the odds? Yeah, he came down and he was like, and uh, you know, he was really nice here and kind of. And we now at the time, right, we'd never like really been anywhere, so mm-hmm. our Irish accents were uber thick at this point. Now <laughs> he probably left there thinking, I don't know what's going on up there. Like what, <laughs> what those guys are talking about. <laughs> You know, oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that my God. Great. Yeah. Did you plan the Cranberries video documentary? 
Yes. We okay. are working on that. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. It, the, the short version of this is um, about a year and a half before Dolores passed away, we started filming interviews with us um, for a documentary that was to be for how the band started up to the second album. Mm-hmm. And okay. then, you know, we filmed bits of that and then Dolores passed away and it kind of it was all kind of put on the shelf. And then a few years ago, we decided, okay, there's no point just doing it for that section. We'll do the whole career, the full 30 years. Nice. So um, then COVID came along and everything kind of went back into pause again. So yeah. we've started that conversation in the past few months again with different directors and production companies. Cool. So it's it's it will happen, but we're kind of back to early days on it again now of trying to get organized. But um, hopefully in the next couple of years, because these things always take way longer than you think. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask too myself, was there one instance of performing live that stands out more than the others? You were in so many, like you were in Woodstock, like the Mm -hmm. the second run of it, so many tremendous concerts during that time. Yeah, I suppose like Woodstock does stick out in that, I mean, it was the biggest biggest audience we'd ever played to. And... I remember, like, it was really rock and roll. We had to get a helicopter in for really? backstage. <laughs> I mean, so we were like, that was another first. Um, so yeah. that one does stand out as a kind of a, 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 like, I mean, I remember being on a stage and you could not see where the crowd ended. It just wow. went on and on and on, you know, things like that. And I suppose, like, like I, I touched on it earlier, the first night playing in Denver, the first American gig where we went out and the place went crazy mm. and, and knew all the, the, you know, the lyrics. And I mean, you remember things like that. They're not the biggest gigs in the world, but they're, yeah. they're a moment where things change, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, th- there's, there's lots of gigs, you know, it, thankfully it was the one thing that you could always rely on is that playing live was, was so much fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, if you watch this back and it looks like I'm getting choked up about you playing at Woodstock, <laughs> I had to sneeze and I didn't know what to do. Right. So I'm just like, like trying to like stop it. But I realized yeah. that the camera it looks yeah. like I'm like, no, no, the Woodstock. Yeah. I was like, you're, you're sneeze, emotional about helicopters, basically. Is what, what, what I mean. yeah. I'm like, I'm going to ruin his story if yeah. I sneeze yeah. right now. So yeah. I'm like trying to block it out. So sorry. I was like, okay. What am I doing? <laughs> Like, please don't sneeze. <laughs> ah, the joys of doing these on oh. Zoom. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome, though, man. The, the helicopter thing must be. I do you have like like intense travel stories where like because like, it's got to be weird to be that young and then all of a sudden be thrust on a plane if you've never been anywhere before. You know what I mean? Like, were you guys all cool like with that kind of travel stuff, or were you freaked out by like you know um, being on the road constantly? It was gradual so that, you know, you did become used to it. Um, Like it went from vans, like really shitty vans and sleeping, you know, kind of, yeah, in every angle you can, your body can do it. And then it went from that to bigger vans to really shitty buses, but they were a bus all the same, (laughs) you know. Right. We did our first tour, the one we did before we went to America, we we were the opening act for a band. Um, We got to tour in Europe for a few weeks, and uh, we were convinced we were going to be dropped anyway at this point because things had kind of not really worked out. And uh, 
So we got the best bus we could afford, which was a terrible bus. And um, <laughs> we couldn't afford hotels. Right. So I remember we had a few days off in Berlin in the mm-hmm. summer. And it was so hot. I mean, stifling now. But we had to live on the bus for a few days. And you're not allowed to have the engine run in the city. So no AC on this bus. Oh, my just God. Just soaking wet. No money to go anywhere. I mean, right. it was just kind of yeah. so little things like that that, you know, you kind of remember these things where, you know, bus is breaking down. And then, you know, and thankfully, look, as things get better, you know, you can fly places and you get a better bus and the hotels become nicer and things like that. And, nice. you know, but yeah. yeah, you do the whole, it's a gradual bladder of just kind of everyone's sharing a room to, yeah. be, you know, people letting us sleep on their floors and things like that and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I yeah. think by the time you do get to the, the intense traveling, you're kind of used to it. It's part of, you realize it's part of the whole thing. Part of the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And it, that never goes, I think. I mean, even now, if someone said you had to pack and go for whatever, you just, you know. You just do it. Yeah. It's yeah. part of it. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, dude, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I've got the last three questions that we ask every guest. Okay. Um, so the first one is, uh, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? Um, I don't know. Spend more time breakdancing. <laughs> <laughs> Invest in that Perfect. more. That's where it's at, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, um, oh, I, feel, I feel like I might know the question on this next one then. The answer to it. Um, what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? Um... I'm not going to say breakdancing. I was going to say no, breakdancing. I'm like the obvious one, yeah. you know. Um, I I guess what had to end. I suppose being like, and this is slightly serious, but being so reliant on your parents, you know, when you're living at home, like as as we yeah. were, and and the kind of your parents did everything, you know, wash your clothes, clean up, all that kind of stuff, and you just kind mm-hmm. of came away, and and suddenly it was like one day you're gone off to the UK for three weeks, and we'd never like I'd never gone you know away for a weekend of my own, so wow. you know, so that kind of innocence of just that's gone like overnight, and and right. and little do you know at the time, this is your life from here on in, you right. know. Um, and I'm glad of it. And I've encouraged my own kids from uh, the earliest of ages to just get out, travel. That's better than anything, you right. know. Yeah. And, uh, and and we've done that with all of them and, and they do it all the time. And we just kind of, you know, I can only speak from my own experience. And it's, you know, I'd like to think it's done me no harm. If anything, it's kind of grown, you know, your kind of view of the world mm-hmm. from, from doing that. So I think losing that kind of side of it, of, of being... Because I think after that first time of leaving home and traveling, we never really, you'd come home, but you weren't really living there anymore. You'd come home and you'd be there for a week just to kind of wash your clothes and and leave again. And that was until eventually, you know, when we did have finally time at home is when I first moved out, you know, kind of went. and, And it's nothing against my parents or anything. It was just like anybody, if you go to college and you move away, when you come back suddenly, you know, and they're going, what time is this to be coming in? And you're thinking, <laughs> um, you don't know what I've been doing for the last 12 months, you know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, That's great. great. 
I actually have one um, more question from okay. a fan. Sorry, John, just before we wrap yeah. up that last question. Um, Elenario was actually with us the whole time. Is there any new songs on the To the Faithful Departed 25th anniversary? That was um, there are not new songs, but there are different versions. Sorry, my screensaver. Come on here, guys. Um, there are different versions of songs because we did demos um, that we never used with other producers and we kind of um we had forgotten about them nice. so they, we looked around to see what our songs we never used um of that that kind of that time and, and it turns out there wasn't um because oh, wow. it's the album i was saying earlier that's the third album which is the one like there was a i think you know we kind of just about got it done right so yeah. um it, there's nothing extra on there I think it's probably the only album that that happened on because all the rest of them were, you know, there was a lot of spare stuff around and, and B-sides and, you know, yeah. um, kind of different versions. Awesome. Very cool. Appreciate that. And I'm sure all of our fans appreciate it too because I know they've been uh, yeah, enjoying it. It came out. One, one, get, one of our uh, listeners actually said this is the first time they've been on a stream in three years because they saw you were going to be on it. They came out. Cool. Fun. <sighs> Hopefully right, I didn't right. disappoint, you know, with my breakdancing <laughs> stories, you know, so <laughs> I'm going to bring it back. You're Russian new fans now. Yeah, yeah. Breakdancing. yeah. My next album is uh, going to be rap, breakdancing. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Strictly breakbeats. Yeah, yeah. And I superimpose okay. my head onto some guy dancing and, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're gonna do that now. You know that, right? I hope. Yeah, I want to see it. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, so our last question is: uh, If this is a real dystopia, mm. you know, uh, alien zombies, uh, volcanoes exploding, comet headed toward the Earth, what would be your epic death? How would you want to go out? Um. Wow. Well, <laughs> uh, I guess like kind of um. Butch and Sundance style, just out the door, you know, kind of yeah, all yeah. guns blazing, and yeah. then yeah, be oh, whatever, whatever apocalyptic horror is there will be waiting for me. Perfect, awesome. love it, man. I just watched that the other day. It was on uh, AMC. It's so good, yeah. Nobody needed to know that, but I, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> here's a random yeah. plug for AMC yeah. in case anybody. Gave there a you shit. go. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, dude, it was, it was such a great time talking to you, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed that. Yeah, truly, man. Fun. We really we had a great time. Thanks so much, man. Good. Good. Take care, man. Thanks, right. guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Peace. Bye bye. Dystopia tonight.